Hello. Hiya. Welcome to episode two of the For Discussion's Sake podcast. Yes, today we're going to be talking about albums by rival schools, Trivium, uh, EPs by Do Nothing and Sugar Horse. But first, let's talk about the single of the week. Single of the week comes yes. from the band The Luca State. Their new song "Rooms on Fire," which was released a bit weirdly as like the first track on an album that re- they released, but it's the only track on the album that they've not released previously as a single. So that's a- Basically, they released loads of singles. Yeah, which. I mean, too many. Yeah, if that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. So. Yeah, Jared. Opinions yeah. on the new Lucas State track. Well, I first off, I quite I liked it. I liked I liked it a lot. It was very like indie rock, um, which is often a well, yeah, it's a it's a good genre, indie rock. But there is a lot of people doing the same thing, yeah. which is I think the Luca State. They're not just it's it's not like it's a carbon copy of other indie rock songs it has features from other songs but it's not like a complete carbon copy which i find lots of indie rock songs are yeah you know um i think one of the main bands i can accuse of that was jared do you remember the band scuttlers yes uh yeah (laughs) yeah they are the prime example of newer indie bands where they all tend to walk on stage and go all right and just play half an hour of definitely maybe rip-offs. Yeah. Then come off stage and then get straight back into their parkers and stand at the bar swigging Guinness or whatever they drink. But from our experience actually seeing the Lucas State live, I don't think they're one of those bands. No, they're definitely I think, not. I think their audience is, because there was a lot of... Oh, yeah, definitely. Liam their audience hair- is very Dark Fruits. There's a lot of Dark Fruits and Liam Gallagher haircuts, thinking they were yeah. all epic that night. But in terms of the band, yeah. I feel like they do modern indie with a blend of... I don't know if i call it rock and roll. No, I, it I, is... I, I don't know if that's like the closest thing to it. It is. It's in. It's rock influences. It's influenced by rock, but it's not necessarily yeah. rock and roll influenced. I know yeah. that doesn't make any sense, but it does in my head. No, it which does is make weird because it's a podcast. It does make sense. Yeah, it's just it's indie. Not, ro- it, it's indie rock, but with a bit more emphasis on the rock part. Yeah. Yeah, and um. This I think I think probably the most important thing to note with this song is it's four minutes long. Yes. Which for a smaller 
indie band. It's quite significant considering the rest of their songs are quite short because most of their songs are quite to the point. You know, yeah. riff in, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, end. They stick yeah. to that structure. But, I, I mean, I don't know if this could... I think one of the reasons I thought we could talk about this is I thought the four-minute stretch of this song sort of indicated yeah. to me that maybe indie music soon is going to go through a bit of a revamp. Yeah. I don't know about you, but quite recently, indie music's dropped off. It's gone quite shoddy. Yeah, it's gone quite... Yeah. It sounds like every band's just trying to get on the radio. If you know what I mean? Yeah, it definitely does. But I f- um, yeah, but I feel, yeah. I f- and I feel like Luke State could be one of those bands that blends in with the new age of indie bands. I can't really think yeah. of any other examples off the top of my head because I don't listen to a yeah. lot of indie because, as I say, most indie is not great. But I feel like bands like the Luke State, if there was a few of them, there could be a little indie resurgence where we could see the, you know, I don't, because they take aspects maybe, of... Maybe we'll have the new indie, in, like, you know, with new metal, new indie. <laughs> Industrial indie. Yes. Death metal indie. <laughs> oh, that would be great. I mean, it's sort of like they Imagine take... if Slipknot went indie. I'd love that. I'd love to see that. Slipknot covering Killers. Oh, epic. But I mean... Yeah. Lucasate take these elements from other indie bands. For example, they... Like, the, you can't deny that, like, their vocal-wise, like, vocals, even style and lyrics, they seem to refer back to most older indie bands in the terms of you know they're the kind of you're at up north yeah I'm going to talk with my up north accent yeah and I'm going to talk about things that everybody everyday people can talk about you know having a cigarette liking a girl aka the arctic monkeys effect yeah which is what they did and I feel like they do that but not quite as cringy yeah they make it almost bearable yeah because some bands like Take Arctic Monkeys' first album. Why does everything we talk about come back to Arctic Monkeys? We did this last week. I don't week. know. <laughs> uh, last um, week was about changing artists, and now it's a fair... <laughs> uh, you know, the first album, as good as it is, which is... Yeah, it's good. It's not great. It's yeah. good. Um, the lyrics was, it's good, but at times I feel it gets a bit too... It feels like they were trying to write for that audience of... Yeah. Oh, that band's from just down the road, you know. I know what he's talking about because he's talking about, you know, getting in a cab on the way home from a night out. He's talking about drunk people fighting in the street and having a cigarette and stuff. And, you know, when done not correctly, it can feel dead forced. Like, it feels like the artist is only talking about that to gain... Certain people's attention. Yeah. But again, I don't think Luke State do that as much. 
No. But then again, they don't do much things that most indie bands do. Yeah. They tend to just sort of. I won't say they do their own thing because I don't think they are. Yeah. Indi- I don't think they're like a whole new thing of their own. Yeah. Right. They don't do anything particularly new. No. But what they do is just fresh enough to sort of stand out a bit. Yeah. Like, when I first heard this song, I thought it sounded like a Liam Gallagher song, like, off his new album. Like, if he went a bit more on the rock side instead of the, you know, violins and piano. But, um... Are you, yeah. you going to go clean the pool? <laughs> clean the pool. <laughs> Send the kids to uh, school. <laughs> God, that album's not great. But No, it is not great, but it is... Better than the first one, I'd probably say. Yes. Uh, we are t- on a tangent about yeah. a different artist's yeah. album. So, so we should definitely get back to the single. I think right. what we could probably mention is live. Yeah. I got tickets to it about two months in advance because I was like, I have a spare seven quid. Why not? And then yeah. I was going by myself for quite a while before I was like, you know what, no. I want someone to come with me. So I was like, Jared, come see this random band that I like. Uh, yes. You did what you do most times. He just sort of agreed. Kevin likes this band. the night before. Yeah, Kevin likes this band. He asked me to go with him. I'll just go ahead. I don't know what to expect. I think you, I yeah. think you did listen to a couple of the songs that day. Yes. In fact, I think, I think one of them at least is on... Uh, indie playlist that you yes one of them is um, on my indie playlist the the popular one I'll say yeah the um, very popular one possibly um, probably their best one to be fair although mm. I, I you know I haven't really listened to them since much mm. I've listened I've listened to it to them but I, I think like... I think they are very much a live band yeah because I don't know about you, but they were a lot better than I was expecting them to be. Yeah, they're li- them live are way better than on the recordings. Yeah, but then again, that's not really a problem. I'd rather no. a band sound good live than be crap live. Obviously, it means you can't listen to them much like, on record, but I'd rather sound great live. than. I mean, they, yeah. they had that little mishap. If you yeah. remember right, the um, the singer, oh, the singer's name, amp he, fell he, over. He kicked, he kicked his amp and it fell over. So they spent about oh. two minutes in the middle of a song picking his amp back up. That was funny. It's just the fact that they didn't stop; they just continued with the song. Yeah, they they do that though. That's yeah. Like if if the if it's a band that can do that, then they're gonna stand the t- test of time live. Thing like live, yeah, because I think it <laughs> eloquently put. I think it is just for for them. I I think it will just be a you know a matter of time before someone picks them up. Yeah, you know, eventually some somewhere they're gonna be 
supporting someone at a little club or a pub or supporting uh, this random gig that they got and then someone's going to be there and they're going to go wow you know that sounds pretty good live because the thing is i think if they really did try and they put a lot of effort into the overall sound of it if they did a full ep or like a full proper like new release album on a label or something like that i feel like they could release quite a decent album slash ep if they did it properly on a label like if they took maybe not the songs they've already released but if they got their some new material properly focused on what they wanted to sound like i reckon they're capable of making something quite good yeah definitely i I won't say as i won't go as far as to say they're capable of making something fantastic but that's just because it's indie I don't yeah. think anything indie-wise is going to be fantastic for the next God knows how long. Yeah, they're sort of very limited. Yeah, indie's quite limited in its possibilities because yeah, you know, there isn't yeah, really I... many indie subgenres either. Like there's no indie rock, which is like rockier indie, and then there's just indie. Wow. You... <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, it's in a jaredexplainwords.com. You know, yeah, you add a synthesizer to an indie song. Yeah. And suddenly you get, oh, that's that's a pop rock song. Yeah. There's, there's not much width in the realms of indie. Yeah. What you hear is what you get with indie. Yeah. Which, it's like a pointless corridor. <laughs> just keeps going. You know, there's yeah. always going to be that kid. That's just getting into dark fruits and menthol cigarettes. Yeah. This, you know, mum, uh, you know, for my birthday, can I have a bucket hat? Because that's what I really want. You know, they're going marching about. Anyone, and anyone ever so slightly looks at them. You know, want to fight, mate? You want to fucking fight? You know, they have got their sunglasses on, their bucket hat. They're walking up the road. Buy from Pretty Green. Hat. Yeah, buy everything from Pretty Green. Even though it costs like 80 quid for the t-shirt. Yeah, expensive. But yeah, you know, there's always... to fill Liam Gallagher's ego? I will say mostly in Britain. There's always going to be those kids because I think it's now just a part of British culture. So, you know, I don't think indie will ever go away. It won't ever die properly because there's always going to be that section of British English culture. That's yeah. based around that indie sound. Yeah. And that's where I uh, think Luke State will properly pick up on there. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to add something. Uh, completely. It's not off topic. It's about the song. It's just not on the dark fruits thing. Yeah. Let's just put a full <laughs> stop there for now. The dark or, fruits uh, thing. Um, so, I surprised. Well, I was surprised by the production. Yeah, I thought the production was quite good for a small band. Yeah, I was genuinely shocked by it because most small bands that are in Nottingham doing this sort of music, their produ- their production's all right. It's bearable, but it's not referring to anyone in particular. Nope. <laughs> We're not um, gonna we're not gonna say a name or in case anyone ever hears this, but yeah. Right. 
I mean, do we have anything else to say? No, that's all. But my notes done. I, I think the main reason I did pick it is just because I, f- I feel like the track could be, you know, that whole discussion about the indie scene and what they were doing. I yeah. just thought that track was a nice way to tie into that conversation. Yeah. Because, you know, with singles, I don't really, you know, we don't really want to pick a single on here that we're just going to go, good song. Yeah. We want something that we can really talk about and link to social context. Yeah, because there's there's quite a few singles that come out like recently and stuff where I listen to it and I go, it's a good song. But then there's like nothing else much I can really talk about it. I can't really say much else about it. So try to pick singles that actually, you know, they're actually involved in a conversation. That's why I picked that one. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that was, uh, yeah, so, hmm, Rumours on Fire by the Lucas State. It's been out for a few days now, so, right, let's move on to our actual proper releases. Um, yes. We'd just like to add that none of these releases are new. These, <laughs> the, these releases from this year range from being a couple of months old. Yeah. Actually, no. I think Up they're to all six months old. They're, yeah, they're, well, they're all round the. They're all a couple of months old, I'd say. They're all yeah four months old to two months oldish. Apart anyway. from one, but we'll get to that one. Yeah, apart that's from one. one. Sugar Horse. It is yes. called Drugs. Uh, so it's. I'm not actually sure if this is the first EP they've released or whether it's the second. I have a. I shall check. I have a feeling it's the first. But I'm gonna check. Whatever uh, release it is, it comes from the quartet that Helm from Bristol. Yeah. Not really surprised. Bristol gives way to many great bands. You know, it is the uh, second EP. They released one called. Well, it's well, it's called. It's like drugs, but it's Drudge. Ah, okay. D I'm, presu- I'm, presum- I'm presuming it was just like an introduction to the band. Yeah. But anyway, it it doesn't have any of the songs on it that ah, are on okay. this thing. But okay. So yeah. So. Yeah, Drugs, second EP from the Bristolian Quartet, Sugar yes. Horse. These, Helm, obviously being from Bristol, these were actually sort of brought up in the same scene that gave birth to St. Pierre Snake Invasion, Idols, and yeah. one of my favourite current bands, Foxjaw. Yes. These were raised in the same scene, and I think that's kind of evident in the fact that they are supporting Black Peaks later this year, if that tour still goes ahead. I hope it does. I really hope it does. The same, because Black Peaks supported by Sugar Horse and St. Pierre Snake Invasion. That's a wet dream. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to the matter Back to the album. 
this right. album album ep ep um i yeah, don't Kevin really know EP. how to i don't really know how to describe it i found that very you know, difficult cuz at, at at some points i'm you know at some points i find myself shaking you know as if i'm dancing to a nice like almost like a like a pop not like pop pop as in like a like a pop rocky type thing but just a bit more distortion and i'm like bopping my head and dancing around a bit and then like a minute later i'm being crushed under <laughs> i'm being crushed under some bloody massive drums and epically distorted guitars that so yeah. I don't really know where to begin with this band. I mean, the most obvious thing I'd say about them is the Deftones influence. Oh yeah, I I I wrote that down. There was, I heard a lot of Deftones in. Yeah, this so EP. like the first two tracks, uh, "Drugs" and "Pity Party," are there's no other word for it really, other than. Crushing. They really do, like you put on that EP and those first two tracks. They really do, like, properly whack you in yeah. the face. They sort of yeah. grab you and say, "Look, we're Sugar Horse. Listen." Yeah. Which. Yeah. Don't know about you, but I like the decision to put those two tracks first. Yes, I definitely like the decision to put them first. Uh, one thing I'll say, after the first two tracks, I was sort of hoping for it to clean up a bit. I thought, not like in like effects and stuff, but I meant like the EQ on this album is, from what I understand, mids up really high, bass is up really high, and the treble's down quite low. I, I would have liked for them to equal it out a bit on the third, fourth, of, after track two, because... I, I I just found it really difficult after track two to sort of get over the fact that all I was hearing was mid and bass. In fact, yeah. it almost blew my Mac speakers. But then again, it's sort of a doom inspired. Yeah. I guess you could say post metal thing. Yeah. And again, being doom inspired, doom has a lot of just bass full. Everything up down. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I, I, I get I get the death metal, not death doom influences in it. Um, I still would have liked it to be, you know, just a bit more equaled out. It. Yeah, I like you mean. It would. It would have. It for me, it would have made the last three tracks stand out more if they'd done that a bit. Yeah, you know I, I, mean. I don't know if I'd describe it. I I I think I'd have to say. This EP isn't easy to listen to. Yeah, not, it's not easy like listening. A, it's not like a, oh, I'm going to go sweep up around the front room. I'll stick this on my Alexa as I'm doing that. It's, I don't know if, I don't know if I'd say it requires focus because I don't think it really does. It's just, you can't not pay attention to it, but I yeah. don't think you should pay your full attention to it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because I mean like the first two tracks as I say like Drugs and Pity Party they're 
so loud and just noisy, yeah. chaotic all over. You know, they, you don't really have time to stop and go, what am I hearing? Because it's all sort of just coming at you so fast. Well, not even fast because it's quite slow. Yeah, it's just coming yeah, yeah. at you. They just keep chucking riffs at you and drum fills at you. Yeah. But then suddenly you get to the, I might add, amazingly titled Richard Branson in the Sky with Diamonds. Yes. And that's where they ease up a little bit. Yes, I didn't Not notice too much. that. No. But I feel uh, like when yeah. they ease up, for example, on this track, is when yeah. I feel that Deftones influence is most yeah. prominent. When yeah. they ease off the massive riffs and the big drums, which I know sounds weird for a Deftones comparison, when they yeah. ease off all of that and bring in the more... I don't know. Is it sort of a chorus that's on the guitar? Yeah, it's like a chorus mixed with a delay and a tremolo, but not a tremolo, yeah. like a, a wobble wobble effect yeah. thing. So it's like bringing that in sort of brings in that thing that I think most people associate with Deftones because they're the one the best at doing it. That whole, it sounds just like a wall of noise. Yeah. You know what I mean, there's no discernible really riffs or drum patterns going on. It's yeah. just sort of this noise that's weirdly inviting in a way. Yeah. In fact, that it sounds horrible. Like... It doesn't sound nice. It sounds bad. It sounds horrible, but in a nice you, way. Yeah, it makes you want to hear it more. Yeah, it's in, it's an intriguing horrible. Yeah. But I mean, you know, then you've got I think probably the most interesting track on the entire thing, the yeah. fourth track when September rain. Yes. That veers away from the doom influence that veers away from the metal influence altogether for what I'm concerned and sounds yeah. more like a I don't, know, I don't know if I'd say post rock more of a I don't really know how to describe it all I'd say is it just it veers away from that heavy orientated metal influence yeah which uh, I think I huh? uh, I thought <laughs> Sorry. I thought this was like I thought this track was what another album we're going to be reviewing in a minute I thought this track was what that album was missing Um, mm. I can't really reveal it now I probably should have just said said it later but I thought this track if, if this other band that we're reviewing put something like this on there I probably would have raised that album, that album's mark in my head up a bit. We don't do marks on camera, but we know which ones we like more than others in our yeah. heads. And that would have probably like put it up higher mm. if they did something like that on it. Pretty sure Kevin knows which one I'm on about because it's definitely uh, yeah. I can I can guess because I think yeah. it's the same problem that I have with that particular yeah. release. Yeah. Um. I mean, as I say, I like the way that it eases off a bit. But, I have to say, listening to When September Rain, 
you know, this massive, like, what is it? Oh, it's quite a long song. You know, seven building. minutes, 40 seconds. Yeah, seven minute long, near eight minute long song that eases off on the heavy influence. You go, right, one track left. Are they going to keep it on this, ease it off a bit? Or what? And then there's the closing track called Dog Egg. Yes. Which, oh my good God. Yeah. Uh, where to start? It's so dense. It's yeah. so... I, it's such I, a good closer. Yeah, I don't know how to describe it. It's such a good ender to this wall that they've created. Yeah. It, it's like the Great Wall of China. Um, mm. Like, well, I'm going to use the, this analogy now because I've started. But most bands, that, well, ones that we reviewed, like, say, last week. Mm. Uh, let's think of one. I can't remember. We'll go 1975 because why not? But, like, the first bit of the wall, the main bit, mm. uh, so the main bit of the 1975 album was fairly, like, built and good. Well, I say good, the 1975 album. As you know, if you listen to last week's, uh, was very controversial. Yeah, don't, wasn't don't even give, that controversial. Don't give, don't give our opinions. Make them go listen. Uh, I'll choose a different album, and you will <laughs> see us from the Trail of the Dead one. I don't think that's their name. But, like... Th- the main bit of the album was great, and then it just sort of crumbled off at the end, which at the end of the wall is a bit... It's the bit they had, they didn't redo in the 80s. There's a sinkhole. Yeah. And that last part um, of the wall just got sucked in. Yeah. Uh, so I, I sort of feel like they, instead of... They, they're like... They built the whole wall as sturdy as they could compared to... Other albums where they just sort of let the ends drop off because no one mm. cares about the ends. Yeah. It's just. It's well crafted. Yeah. It's put in a certain order so that it maintains your attention, but not to the point where you put your full focus into it. Yeah. I don't know if there's much else to say about it, really. Um, it's heavy, it's loud. I mean, I my problems with it are very, very minor, and like most records, they're quite personal. Yeah. You know, for me, the vocals are mixed really low. Yeah. I would like for, especially with the heavier vocals in the first couple of tracks especially, I would prefer it if the vocals were brought up in the mix a bit because they tend to blend in with the... Guitars and the noise. So, that's really my only complaint. Is that? Uh, yeah. Like, Can we just talk about the vocals for a bit? Yes. Because I do agree with what you're saying that they're mixed really low. Um. But I felt, well, it's not really a but. It's as well as I like. I like. One bit about this album that I really liked was the fact that they managed to... So, lots of it is screaming. Oh, I say screaming. Shouting. Shouting down the microphone. Right there, Karen. 
<laughs> well, I don't know how to describe it. Scream. Well, okay, fine. We'll just, go with screaming. Yeah, let's say screaming. Well, yeah. So in the bits where he's screaming, um, like I found the melodies were very death tones, which we've covered on the death tones of Lewis. But also the a cappella bits where it's like, um, where he's got like lots of different layers of vocals. Mm. I really liked that those bits in it because although because the songs are quite long they were like a minute and a half the times when they came in but they they just like added something to the song it's like a little break in the middle of the six minute song before you went back into big and on the first track I'm pretty sure it's the first track where um, they cut out they do a minute and a half quite a bit and then it just comes in and it hits you like a ton of bricks because you yeah. don't expect it, and I think that's something they do really well. Yeah, it it just it, it's hard to describe how I feel uh, when I listen to this album. It makes me like depressed, but in a good way. Yeah, I mean, is there anything else you really want to say about it? It's not heavy. Really. It's you know, it it's heavy. It's also not heavy at times. It sounds quite a bit like Deftones at times. It, it's dark. It's quite ambient. It's atmospheric, but it's not so ambient that it loses your attention. Um, yeah. Just quickly, the last thing I want to say. There is a website that does interviews and news and stuff on music called Noise with two Zs. So N-O-I-Z-Z-E. And they did a review. It's one of the only reviews online for this EP. And I think their final little paragraph of their review perfectly, perfectly sums up what this EP is. So... Noise, the website, wrote, Much like their previous work so far, Drugs is a beautiful yet all-annihilating release that is the polar opposite of disposable music. This is a release that initially demands your attention prior to rewarding you with hidden depth after repeated listens. All-encompassing, majestically devastating and spectrally wonderful, Sugar Horse are clearly on the same road that their respective inspirations once travelled and are set for a greatness completely regardless of the ongoing apocalypse in which they soundtrack. Yeah. I think that perfectly sums up what this EP yeah, is. That does. Um and I'd just like to quickly add, yeah, don't don't just take our views on it as your own. If you want to go listen to it and make up your own mind. Yeah. Because music means different things to different people. Mm. Like, you could listen to this album, and then you could find some emotional in it that relates to you that we didn't find. Yeah, that's the beauty yeah. of music. Yes. And then if you're going to do that, and you're going to tell us how wrong we are, or that you found yeah. something that I think maybe you should tell us somewhere, you know, yeah. email us or... DM us on Instagram mainly. Yeah, let us know, and then maybe in the future we can, you know, have a have you as a guest on the podcast for one time or something. It's a bit interesting to get other people's perspectives on something. 
Yeah. All right, you happy with that? That yes. wrapped up nicely for you? That Yes, that did right. wrap up nicely. That was uh, Sugar Horse with the EP Drugs. It was released in April. So, been out for a while now. Yeah. Yes. With Jared. Right. What we're doing next. It is a big thing. Do not play it down. You are my people and I care about you. I'll have a pint of milk, please. Thank you very much. Why would you do such an ugly Thinks EP. I believe it's called Zero Dollar Bills. Yes, Zero Dollar yeah. Bill. Zero Dollar Bill. It's an EP. Five tracks. Um, we Hunter. have also seen Do Nothing Live, but it was like two months. Well, a, a two weeks before this album, before this EP came out, which was quite depressing. Well, it was probably more than that. How long yeah, was, was it? It was quite. It was quite a while because we saw them in October, I think, wasn't it? Oh yeah, this came out in March. Yeah, we saw so it because they played a couple of songs off it live. Because I can remember yeah. when we, when this came out, I remember going, "Hey, remember that?" Yeah, I remember. So this came out five months after we saw them, which yeah. is quite depressing because we didn't know any of the songs then, and well, I, some of I knew, these songs I knew like two. Yeah, but I didn't really like one of them. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I went to hear gangs. Yeah. But that night was also spectacularly amazing. Yeah. Only because that night was the first night I ever heard LeBron James, which you're gonna hear me talk yes. about a lot more in a minute. Yeah. Because Jared knows my unhealthy obsession with LeBron yes. James. I I once just played it out of the blue while I was at his house before lockdown and um he knew all the words. Yeah, it had been out yeah. for like, what, two days? Yeah, two, yeah. It was quite interesting. So, so overall. Let, let's get into it. Overall, what's your feelings um, on the overall quality? Then we'll go in depth about what we right. liked and didn't so, like in a minute. Yeah, I thought. Okay, so when I was listening to this, I could sort of tell that they'd sort of cut it up, at, like, recording sessions into, you know, like, two or three different recording sessions. Yeah. Like, I thought the la the production on LeBron James and Fitz was way better than the first three. Yeah. It's like, but... they're the singles, so they got them professionally done or something like that. But and I then think... they just mixed the others themselves. I think, in a way, that benefited the other songs. Yeah. Because I feel like if you'd have shoved, you know, the songs that aren't the singles, you know. Yeah. Contraband. Um, I've forgotten what the other ones are called. Comedy Gold. Comedy Gold. New Life. Uh, yeah, new. Those, if, if you stuck them with his, you know, air quotes, good 
production as the singles. Yeah. I feel like they might have lost their character. Yeah. Because LeBron James and Fitz, the ones that have the better production, are the more tame tracks on it. Yeah. I felt like they sort of knew what they wanted out of this EP as an entire thing. Yeah. And as I say, I feel like they thought, you know, these... I'm not going to say soft because they're not soft. The more tame tracks on the EP, I feel like we could get away with, you know, making them a bit more polished. Yeah. Because I would say something like, you know, the intro riff thing to comedy gold yeah the burr, 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 that thing yeah if that had have had like high quality production i feel like it would have taken away from the feel like the character of the yeah track yeah i, t- I totally get it it's like the 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 first three tracks are more um what's the word they're they're not as soft as the other two. Yeah. Uh, and their production, they wanted it to be more like a garage production instead of a, mm. a, you know, studio production. Uh, yeah. I did think, although the last two songs th- were better production, I thought the first three were still good production. It definitely worked for the songs. But when I was when I was mm. listening to it, I expect I expected it to have more of like a at the start you get like the full energy and then as you get lower down, the energy sort of starts to diminish. Which I I get in some albums, you know, like when they've recorded it, like they've done a two or three day session, and you can tell because like the energy is sort of the same, but it's I don't know. Is it? I just could tell. In an album, when I'm listening to it, the I know what you mean. Yeah, right. It gives me a more realistic thing. It's like a smoothness. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean by that. Um, I think I will speak for most people who have heard and will listen to this EP. When I say that, I think Contraband is the defining song on this EP. Yes. Like, out of the five songs that are on this EP, I think Contraband is the one that will stand out most to people. I think it's the one that will appeal to the most people. Yeah, definitely. Because, personally, it's my favourite song on it. Same. Contraband is my favourite on it because uh, I don't know it's it's, it's pretty just much exactly it. it's exactly what they've done before yeah just better yeah I can't really describe it I mean when I when I heard the first opening line when I heard that melody I was like that is a genius melody I, I was literally mean. like why has that not been done before it probably it has, is a but big thing. Do not play it down. That thing. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. that's one thing I do think. Do nothing. Do better than virtually every other band. Yeah. The mix of 
shout vocals, and I don't say scream, shout vocals, and melodic moments. Yeah. I feel like they do a lot better than most bands. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like the contrast between the guitars and the melody, because I feel like the guitars are doing something completely different to the melody. Yeah. In in like a good way, and it sort of makes them like there's a there's bands that play chords that go with the like the the melody, but there's also bands that play melody and then guitars just do random riffs everywhere and it sort of like fills out the gaps yeah I mean you mentioned bringing up the melodies and like the lyrics and things like that and I'd just like to iterate something yes the lyrics on this this EP to me make no sense yeah but You know, I don't think that really matters much when it's as musically interesting and attention-grabbing yeah. as it is. I don't think it matters much. Because the thing is, I think they focus more on getting a good melody than good lyrics, which yeah, it's not always great. If you can have both, no. get both. But, yeah. you know, when you've got melodies that are so good, yeah, you don't need lyrics that require loads of you know, thought and stuff into it. You know, Contraband's got, like, he's talking about someone taking his briefcase. Yeah. But then at the end, he's like, you know, would you love me if my hair falls out? So. Maybe he's talking to his briefcase at that point. (laughs) You know, it bounces all over the place. LeBron James is my favourite instance of lyrics that mean pretty much next to nothing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more about his narration of a confusing state of mind more than anything. Yeah. Because he's sort of just... Uh, I don't know. I feel like it. songs like songs like LeBron James, including LeBron James, tend to be more focused on the rhythm of what he's saying rather than what he's actually saying. Yeah. You know, because LeBron James has a very specific rhythm. Yeah, everything he says. I think Nothing... I think that definitely adds to the song. It's like a different. It's like a, a instrument that isn't the vocals. Because like when you most people consider the vocals an instrument, but then there's vocals the instrument, but then the rhythm of the vocals, which I think is a different instrument entirely. Yeah. It's I like mean, two I've, layers. I've got to admit, some points. The vocals are a bit dodgy. Yeah. But then again, I think I could only say that for one point on the entire thing. Yeah. And it's sad because it's the opening lyric. Yeah. It's not even the lyric. It's just when he does the big actual melodic, like holds that note on the how does it feel. It's not quite... I don't want to... Because I don't really know what I'm all about when I talk about stuff like this, but... It doesn't sound in key. He sounds yeah. like he was doing that line to himself rather than doing it to the track. Yeah. I think you know what I'm on about, don't you? Yeah. So like, it's the sort of like when goes, bands expect the singers yeah, when he does to be the, able to sing the song without them playing. This tired old thing. 
coming in to land. So, how does it feel? And he just bursts into this massive belting yeah. note. And it just sounds a bit off to me. But then again, I don't listen to a lot of music like this. So it might be normal. Yeah. Possibly. Um, quick, it's a quick thing. Least favorite track. What's yeah. yours? Um, it would probably have to be New Life. It was the one yeah, I was. Ooh. It wasn't really that memorable for me. Finally, we get some actual discussion on for discussion's sake, rather yes. than us just constantly going, "Yes, I agree." Yeah. Um, my least favorite fits. What's your least favorite track? What? Oh, yours is fits, right? Yeah, I I don't I can't describe why. I just don't get on with it. Right. Okay. I quite liked fits when it was first when it first came I, out. I sort of liked it better than LeBron James. Sort of. Oh, blasphemy. But I, I, yeah, I I just I just I think it I think it's just more vocally interesting. Like with LeBron James, you got the rhythm, but I don't think there's as much as that rhythm in fits, and which is why the melody and in particular the chorus. I know it's just one word repeated, but like. Is when it... the harmonies come in with that melody, it just sort of did something. Yeah, I think the main thing that put me off it when I first heard it, and it's still something that I'm not a fan of it, yeah. the sort of reverb on the guitar that's not really reverb on the guitar. Oh, like the tape delay? Yeah, as in how... Um, I don't really know how to describe it. I don't really say... I wouldn't say it's a riff, but... The melody of the guitar in the intro and stuff. I don't know what yeah. it is. I just don't like it. It's because it's quite discordant. It's not like the note. It's like the notes aren't in the right keys. Yeah. Um. I don't really know how to describe it because I don't know what the notes are. But it's like he's going. The way I describe it in chords is he's playing a C chord, but then he goes to a. A minor diminished seven. It's like that sort of thing where it doesn't sound good at all to some people, but to other people, it's like great. I think it's just because he suddenly adds crap tons of reverb on it. Yeah. For like two bars. You know, stuff. Yeah. It's a very bad representation, but I mean, as a whole. I like this thing a lot. Yeah. I don't... There's not... Honestly, there's not much I can say about it. Yeah, it's... It's only really five tracks. Any, I have, like, one very minor problem with it. It's yeah. Round about it, really. It's just... Yeah. It's just a good... Little... Uh, what did I just say rock? I'm, I'm tempted to just say rock. Uh, wait, I'll have a look what it's classed as on iTunes, and then we'll just see what uh, that I, is. That says see, alternative. Probably, yeah, alternative probably a good shout for it. 
Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's probably the best way of describing it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to add stuff just that I've written down. Okay. So, when I was listening to it, and this links into the like the guitar and the melody and everything, and just sort of the structure of the band. Mm. I I thought it was like, it was idols, but less heavy. Like, because the drums and the bass are mainly the driving force of everything, really, in, in yeah. Do Nothing. And the guitar's just sort of there in the background, and the vocals are... Like, it's not as um, declaratory if that's a word, mm. as an idol song, because idol songs generally mean things, etc. Like, yeah. they have deeper meanings, like mental health meanings, other yeah, meanings. Yeah. But, um, um, but, I f- like, we do nothing, as you said, the vocals don't really make sense, and they don't probably don't really mean anything, and they've just tried to think about the melody and not really focused on the lyrics. Yeah, but as far as I think that's probably like my only yeah. complaint with the whole thing. It's just they're a, like they're like, yeah. they're like a less heavy, less political idols. Yeah, it's sort of a post-punk inspired alternative. Yeah. Thing. All I'd say is, if you're a fan of alternative music, alternative rock, post-punk, just sort of jokey, goofy, sort of weird-sounding bands. Probably right up your alley. Also, I'd just like to mention... Yeah. NME. Massive company. Massive corporation. They gave this four out of five stars. Right. And I'm... Still trying to decide whether I whether I agree with that. Personally, I don't agree with that. Uh, like, DIY magazine, right? DIY yeah. magazine gave it four and a half. It's definitely good. AKA definitely. nearly perfect. I don't think it's nearly perfect though. No. I don't even think it's nearly, nearly perfect. I think it's like, it's good. It's a great, great EP. Yeah, it's the thing of, we don't give ratings or anything because ratings are pretty null, void. They don't really do anything, you know. A a 4 to me is different to a 4 to you. Yeah, if if someone gave an album like 2 out of 5. Yeah. If you go to listen to it, you might actually like it a lot more than most people do. Like, for instance, if someone says a four to me, that's going to be, like, in between Neon Handshake and Ruben albums. Um, Well, probably below, slightly below that. Yeah, below, slightly below them. But to you, uh, a four and a half out of five might be the 1975's new album. I know it's not for Kevin. Or me, but say that again. <laughs> but yeah, we we don't really I know mean, what not you think a four is. Yeah, 
and judging yes. it with, on a rating kind of system would just be unfair. Yeah, M- music is like comedy. It's yeah. subjective. You could say that again. Music is like comedy. <laughs> it's subjective. <laughs> you can say that oh. again. <laughs> Nah, fuck off. I'm just going to loop it in edit. Just <laughs> loop it for about four minutes. Yeah. Don't know why I said four. Specific number. No, 55 but... minutes. <laughs> Have you got anything else you want to add um, to what we've said? Not I really. Don't. Uh, we're an Did hour it... in. I, th- uh, I think... I think we pretty much. I think we discussed this before we started recording. Yeah. There's not much really to say about it. It's just good. Yeah. We're an hour in, so before we start the next thing, I'm just going to mention to anyone that might have listened to the first podcast, where we said uh, that you shouldn't judge albums by the previous albums, and then we proceeded to judge all the other albums by the albums previous in the band. We were justified. Yes, we were justified. For instance, the Enter Shikari album was dis- defined as the... Uh, definitive Shikari album, which you sort of have to li- link it to the others, don't you? Because you yeah, can't so really judge if, a definitive if, album if you can't link it to all the other ones. And yeah, the, um, the, the 1975, uh, pretty sure they said something about definitive. They probably did. They said uh, a lot of things. It, it's the last. Um, it's the last album in their. Mm. I think what they call it is the music for cars. Right. Like, yeah. error. So, I think that is, like... I don't know whether that's all four of their albums or whether it's just the last two, but that one was, like, the last in this little error thing that they're doing. So, hence why it was meant to be compared to the third yeah. one. You know... Okay, back to the points at hand. Zero dollar bill. By Do Nothing. It's been out yeah. for a while. It came out beginning of April. Yeah. And it's just a nice little post-punk alternative EP thing. Yeah. So, on to the only newish-ish album. Of your empathy. Yeah. Eyes lock, you can see. A ghost on invisible city. So, the new album from Trivium. Yes. The, I don't want to say legendary metal band, because they're not really legendary. Because then they haven't got the best reputation behind them. But the certainly respectable metal band, Trivium. Yes. And this is the ninth studio album by them. Yes. Uh, I'm just going to put a quick disclaimer out there. The singer's name is Matthew Heafy, and 1975's frontman is called (laughs) Matthew Healy. So if I get them two mixed up, I'm on about Trivium this week, not... (laughs) Imagine if I said Healy when I'm talking about scream vocals. That that would be... That'd be amazing. Just the thought of, like... Imagine like the title track to this album coming on. Yeah. 
And instead Imagine of like, if they were performing at an award show and like, Matthew <laughs> Healy and the band. And he goes, just, like, My name's Matthew Heathy. Just the, just the thought of like um title track coming on <laughs> it gets to the it gets to the verse and you're all ready for uh Matt's massive proper good vocals, then all you get is just a I'm calling it amazing anyway yeah. this album gained universal acclaim you yes. know Metacritic gave it 84 out of 100 Kerrang gave it 4 stars um you know, all music gave it four stars. Distorted Sound gave it nine out of ten. There's some tens out of tens. There's some eight and a half out of tens. Yeah. But I think quite an interesting thing is the guy from a source called Kill Your Stereo. All right. They gave it 75 out of 100. But the person who wrote it, her name's Megan. All right. She gave the quote, Since this was my first time properly listening to a Trivium album, I can't at all compare this new record to others, whether it's better or worse. Despite that, I still find it to be enjoyable. Yes. So, it's it's sort of one of these things that just because this album's gained universal acclaim, doesn't mean that it's necessarily the best. Yes. Because it seems like a few of these reviewers, this is the first time they've tried to listen to a Trivium album properly. Yeah. Um, so, I, it sort of makes talking about their reviews quite difficult. Yeah. And the fact that I don't know if I can trust many people's opinions on it. Yeah. But then well, that that just goes back to the thing of reviewing albums not, you know, as not linked to the other ones. Yeah. The thing is, uh, I know we, we've just explained this, that we said, hey, don't compare albums with other albums. You know, albums of individual pieces of work. Uh, with Trivian, we have, you know, um, I don't know how to describe it. Trivian, we have an excuse to say we need to compare it to other stuff. Yeah. Because I don't know how much you know about Trivian's career. I don't know that much. Yeah, uh, they had a false start, let's say that. Right. Dead early on in their career, they released an album called Shogun. Yeah. Which is fantastic. And that got them panned as one of the world's next big metal acts. Yeah. Which obviously is a bit of... There's a lot of pressure to put on a band so suddenly. Yeah. And then... Out of that, they started making 
their other stuff which was considerably less impressive yeah so quite a lot of people then went oh it was a fluke they made that one good album and now they can't really you know do what they've done before and then they've kept sort of going up and down and the fact that one album would get like 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10 the next to get 4, the next to get 6, the next to get 3, the next to get 7 and they just kind of keep going because they keep trying different things Yeah. and it wasn't until I'm not sure what year it was actually, it was recent but the album before this, The Sin and the Sentence Yeah. where people went oh, it's just another good tripping record, I'm sure they won't follow it up with something good because it's just what it did and that's what brings us to this yes the ninth album what the dead men say yeah i know i do this a lot at the start of our reviews but i'm gonna do it again anyway because i'm interested jared right yes thoughts um okay so my thoughts on it um so i haven't really listened to any of the trivium albums in full I know odd songs, mainly the famous ones. I really like this album a lot. Um, I thought there was lots of technical stuff in this album. Like, not just like technical as in, you know, what... Like, I mean, musical, musical techniques that I don't see a lot of artists using... There's full capabilities. Like, in the drumming, there was lots of rudiments, like double-stroke rolls, single-stroke rolls. Pretty sure I heard drags in there as well. Um, And as well as that, there was, like, half-time. They even went into 6-8. You know, stuff like that. Something cool to mention about what you just said is, so you were mentioning yeah. how the drums are really. Would you say that the drums are like a integral piece to the album? Like, yeah, like definitely. The drums are one of the most, the one of the parts of the album that makes it whole. Yeah. Um, their drummer, called Alex Bent. Yeah. This is only his second album with the band. Wow. They've gone through about four drummers or something like that, and he only came on two yeah. albums ago. So this is only his second right. album. And I think what they did was they yeah. got a couple of guys in before him that were your typical, you know, your typical metalcore metal drummer where they're just like, right, I'm just going to play as fast as I can and do blast beats wherever I can because that makes it true metal. And that's what sort of put them off a bit. And then obviously this guy's coming. And as you were just saying then, he doesn't do a lot of really show-off fills or blast yeah. meets or incredibly fast anything. Yeah. He tends to be more technically proficient. Yeah. I think which... there was one song that he did blast beats on for, I think, 16 bars. Yeah. That's it's... about it. He We're doesn't need to off. show off. Yeah. And I think that's sort of, the, sort of the sign of a drummer that's really fit into what he's playing. Yeah. And it, it sort of seems like the band are quite comfortable with what he's playing as well. 
because yeah. a lot of his more technical moments play really well into the more technical riffs that the guitars are playing. Yes. Because that's something that I noticed on this album. Yeah. The riffs. Yes. They are as fat, heavy and chunky yeah. as you could want. But they're also quite melodic. Yeah. You could sing along to most of the riffs. Yeah. Which I'm is... pretty sure in multiple songs, I literally put the note thick. 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 You know, like, that. yes, that's partly thanks to Mahifi on yeah. his rhythm guitar. Yeah. But I think the, the most standout for the guitar is Corey, the yeah. um, lead guitar. Because Matt Heafy has stated multiple times he can't play Corey's solos. Yeah. He can't do half the things Corey does because I think he's... I, I really think the backing instrumentalists really took like a front, I, I'll say a front seat on it, because they, like, they were the bits that blew me away the most. Like, if I hear a trivium, I think of Matt Heafy sitting on Twitch with his white guitar, plugged yeah. into his interface, yeah, doing stuff. But now when I think of trivium, I'm going to think of all the backing people, and by backing people, like, then equal with Matt in my mind now whereas Matt was always a standout member but like now listening to an album in full you know it just sort of brings it across that it's not just all Matt doing it you can hear all the other members and what they bring to it because if it was just Matt it'd be boring at the end of the day wouldn't it yeah because the, the, the other thing is that you can't tell with a lot of bands like Trivium yeah. You can tell who's playing the solos and the riffs. Yeah. Like, if I heard a solo that was a lot more melodic and a lot more, sp like, sparing with its shred sections, Yeah. I'd probably know that was Matt playing them because he tends to do the more melodic things, whereas, as you, you probably know from some of the solos on this record... Corey can fucking shred when he wants yeah. to. It's insane. Yeah. But he also does most of the heavy vocals. Yeah. Which is quite cool. Yeah. Which provides for... Because a lot of bands tend to do, you know, oh, we're going to have heavy vocals in this, but I think it would be nice if we had some clean vocals in the back or the other way around. But then yeah. the lead vocalist does both tracks so then on the actual song yeah. it's like the same person singing two things but I like the fact that yeah it's two different people it's two distinguishable people doing two separate yes. things uh, I'm just going to quickly jump in here and yeah. say that's very apparent it's not on this album but it's like the one popular trivium song that everyone knows In Waves shows that like directly like, you can tell yeah. it's two different singers doing it. And it's not just because it's panned, it's because they sound different, even though one's mm. screaming and one's not. If Matt was screaming, you could probably tell that it was Matt screaming. Whereas if Corey's screaming, you could tell that it's Corey screaming. Like, you mean, like, on In Waves? 
What? You know, you mean like on in waves? Yes. Because the actual in waves bit is matte. Yeah. But I mean, you could probably tell because he's still got that signature matte sound. Yeah. But like in the chorus, mm. when they're singing the melodic stuff. Yeah. And then you they have tell. the screaming in the. Yeah. yeah, and you can tell the differences from the in waves at the beginning, and then the doing the bit person doing everybody else down. I think yeah. That, that, yeah. There's, um, there's just differences, and it's good to see that they're acknowledging all the members of the band instead so, of just blanking them. Something I'd like to just bring up. Yeah. This record is. 46 and a half minutes long. Yes. There's two songs that are over six minutes. Yeah. And there is quite a number of songs that are around the five minute mark. Yeah. Um, now, I'd, I just want to bring this up, like, first and foremost, because it's my biggest problem with this album. Yep. I can't, well, I say can't, I don't like listening to this album as one big thing. Right. I don't like going, right, you know what, I'm going to listen to it all the way through in one sitting. Okay. But that, uh, I I don't know, I think I get to round about track five, you know, literally halfway through the record. Yeah. And then to me, as good as it is, yep. it starts to become just a bit more, I don't know how to say it, sort like a of chore. predictable. In the fact that, you know, I'm, I still like the songs, you know, right. from five to ten, because you've got songs like The Defiant, Scouring the Ashes. Yeah. They're pretty good. But as in like, I just feel like as one big project, I feel like it's quite tough to get through as one big individual yes. thing. Um, I was going to talk about this as well. Um, but that's why I mentioned earlier, um, it while we were talking about drugs and we were talking about When September Rain, how it's quite like a subdued song. In amongst all the chaos. And I feel like this is an album of 10 tracks of straight, you know, fast, loud, in your face stuff. I felt like yeah. if like track six and seven were more like subdued, mm. I felt like this album would be a lot be- a lot easier. Well, not necessarily easy, but a lot like it would feel less like you were listening to the album because you had to listen to the album in full. And more like you wanted yeah. to listen to the album in full. Like, it doesn't really have a range of songs on it. I think pick any song from this album, you know, bar the instrumental intro. Yeah. And stick it on a playlist, I'd gladly listen to it. Yeah. But, like, as a whole, listening to it all the way through yeah. in one, it just becomes a bit much. But that's... Also, this thing of some of the songs feel quite cheesy to me. Yes. I can't remember. I, I did write which, stuff about this down. 
I can't remember I felt, which songs in well, particular. So I, I got to them... track three. And I basically mm. thought most songs after track three, it was just like very commercialised metal. Yeah. Like very cliche. I can't remember which one in particular it is. I think it's either Sickness Unto You or Scatter in the Ashes. Yes, those two were also on my list for The choruses cliche. tend to just, instead of the chorus being like, you know, like a memorable thing for like, wow, that was yeah. cool. Good melody, good hook. They tended to devolve into just straight up like strumming patterns. Yeah. With the drums just going, and then you know, with Matt doing some typical like radio rock thing over the top of it. Yeah. And I can't remember exactly which song on this album it is, but there's a song on this album that's after track five point. There's yeah. a song in the second half of the record that made me physically wince and sort of cringe a bit. But that's just because. There's a bit where I was listening to it, and then in the back of one of the choruses, you hear a whoa, whoa. You know, like them oh, epic radio rock songs. I think it's scattering, it, scattering the Ashes. You know, like most radio rock, radio yeah. metal songs, where in the chorus in the background you just get a bunch of whoa, whoa, whoa. Because. Yeah. Oh, I think it's scattering actually, the Ashes, because I noted it, down the harmonies in that one. It, so it, it made me actually that. go, Ugh. yeah. Like, uh, I think this album, in a weird way, yeah. is a very good representation of modern metal, yeah, as a whole, yeah. In the fact that individual songs very good, yeah. As a whole, quite good, yeah. But in terms of listenability as one project, kind of hard. Because, yeah. like, I know... I don't want to sound big-headed and stuff here. I know that I'm sort of a more avid metal listener than you. Yeah. I know you listen to metal, and I know yeah. you like quite a lot of heavy stuff, but I'd say, like, I'm a, I listen to a bit more than yeah, you. Yeah, you listen to more like, range. But, so, like... A lot of modern, when I say modern, I mean metal albums from like the last five, ten years. They don't work as full projects. Yeah. They work well as individual songs and little, like, tracks. Yeah. So, like, in a way, a lot of these albums, including this one, I feel like could be a lot better off if it was like a a six-track EP. They took all the best songs, yeah. And cut it down, yeah, <sighs> yeah. Um, okay, I'm gonna talk about a specific song now. Okay, bleed into me. It's track, yeah. I believe, five. track five. Yeah. Yep. So, so I got to track five, and like I thought, all the others were very like commercial style metal. The mm. production was very similar. To the commercial metal, and it got to bleed into me, and I was like, because to me the production sounded different, mm. like very different compared to the other songs, and I was listening to it. it had like the new metal 
like new metal EQ snared the EQ snare thing that I find, I I hear in a lot of corn songs. That is, yes. And I thought that I thought that was quite cool to have it in the Trivium album because it, it, you know, it, yeah, it, they sort it, of bridge the gap between commercial metal and new metal, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it it sort of gives this album a certain you know, sound that's not necessarily the most unique thing in the world. Yeah. But it's not, like, really mediocrely the same as everything else. Yeah. It's a moment in a moment in the album where you're like, oh, this is different. Mm. I like different. But then it just goes I mean, back to normal, so... Something that I find really interesting. Yeah. When reading some of the various reviews for the album. Yeah. Kerrang! of all sources. You know that amazing source, Kerrang! Yeah. They said something that I hadn't noticed until they said it, and now it stands out to me as actually a large part of what I think about this album. Yeah. It, the album's full of big riffs and big percussion, big drums, loads of drum flourishes, loads of flashy stuff that's not exactly flashy for the sake of showing off. Yeah. But the exact quote, which I will now say, and I want to see if you agree with this, it's full of galloping riffs and pounding percussion. But where the likes of Gojira managed to harness the heaviness of metal, the production on Trivium's ninth album doesn't have the same aggressive depth. Yeah, that, that, yeah. This album is, you know, it's thrashy at points, it's heavy at points, it's sort of radio metal at points. But one thing it's not is aggressive. Yeah. It's never like a... You can't imagine any of the songs being followed up by, like, Matt going, I'm going to fucking kill you! So, like, some metal bands do. Yeah. I think I think that'd be quite cool for them to do something like that. Instead, instead of taking it in a very smooth, uh, smooth production and commercial metal-produced sort of way, to maybe take it down a step production. Because I think their sound would work quite well with that. Mm-hmm. I also think it won't in places because the clarity in like the drums and the bass sort of, you know, it does stuff to it. Sort of transforms it from being mediocre commercial metal to slightly better than mediocre commercial metal. Yeah. And I feel like a I lot think... of commercial metal failed to do that. I think something that I also really like from the Kerrang! review... Yeah, so one of their first statements, which I have said about most Trivium records that I've heard. Yeah. From the first track. Yeah. You can hear how much they love heavy metal. Yeah. As in, like, you know, take the Sugar Horse EP for example. Yeah. 
you can hear they like metal, they like heavy stuff, but you can hear the influence of they like sort of almost like pop sounding stuff. They yeah. like smoother stuff. When it comes to this trivium album, yeah, I don't hear any other influence than metal. Yeah. I don't think they try to hide that. No. But it's it, just a bit... Mm-hmm. I think that's probably one of the reasons why I find it so grading to listen to all in one. Yeah. Because there's sort of no variety. In... It, it does leave me wanting more in it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, I will say overall, it's a good album. It's pretty good. Yeah. I'd say, I wouldn't say it's great, I'd say it's pretty good. Yeah. And I, you know, I would recommend it to people who like metal. If they just yeah. wanted something to get a couple of songs out of to really yeah. push them into metal. Um, so last thing on this album, quickly. Yeah. What is your favourite track? See, this was a tough one. I knew you'd ask it, so I was thinking <laughs> about it. I do, I do like to ask it. Yeah. The thing is, there's... Because it, there's no, there's not a lot of variety, there wasn't really any that stood out more than the others. Mm. Um, when... I must say, what Dead Men Say, when that came on, like, my interest was peaked at that point. But by the time I got to, like, the end, it, it's worse. It's definitely worse. But I'd probably say I liked the Defiant. Like, when that came on, that sort of regained my attention. I know it's track five and stuff, and you was it in, like, yeah. But I was, like, sort of out of it for track three and four, but then when Defiant came on, it sort of... Regained it. I don't know why, but it just did. And like, yeah, I think uh, it, it's sort of hard to describe in the fact that so it feels like uh, the defiance. One of those where I really do like it. Yeah. But it it it's one of the songs on the album that I feel has the most like arena. Yeah, definitely. Anthem type sound. Yeah. Which is the side of this album that I'm not a fan of. Yeah. Yeah. I... Ano- I was just going to say, another one that I would pick as a good song, although it's after, it's the one after Defiant, Sickness Unto You, technically that song is a really good one because it starts off in 4-4. Then it, the chorus is in six eight, and it goes back to four four again. And it just like if you put a time signature thing in there, it's just gonna make me listen to it more. I don't know what it is about it. It's like when you throw a three four section into a song that's in seven eight, it just piques my interest. And as a drummer, hearing a six eight bit in there, it like blows my mind. Which is weird because six eight's like the second easiest time signature to do, but it just does. After four four, obviously. Um. Yeah. Kevin, what was I... your favorite track? 
for me it was quite easy for me because yeah. it's probably the only song on the album that I have put on playlists and it's the only song on the album that I listen to frequently when I'm not listening to the actual album. Right. Uh, title track. Yes. What a dead man say. Especially with the instrumental introduction of the album. Yes. We didn't really talk about the instrumental very much, but we'll get uh, on to that after your explanation. That's nothing really to say, is there? It's just... Well, there is. Washy guitars. Okay. (laughs) You can discuss your love for the... Yes. What, 40 second instrumental after this? It's a two minute, ten seconds. Oh, okay. (laughs) Get it right, Kevin. Um, uh, You know, it has the hook on the verse... It has the hook in the chorus. You know, it has the melodic moments that I like from Trivium. Yeah. But the instrumental is as thrash-inspired, as heavy metal as you can get with this album. Yeah. You know, it's the side of Trivium that I like. Melodic vocals over sort of like a thrash-inspired, heavier instrumentals. Yeah. And plus combined with the hook in the verse and the chorus. I just think it's the best one because it's the only one that I listen to frequently yeah. outside of the album. Yeah. I so, wrote the most yeah. of my notes for this song. Like the smooth transition out of the instrumental into it. The although I did I did find fault with the vocals in the mix because I felt I, like you know when there's a song and the vocals sound out of out of the song if you know what I mean mm-hmm. like biggest example and I say biggest because it is the biggest biggest example is Paramore's um, their main one I've forgotten what it's called which is bad that big one where she's singing which you got the yeah um, you know that misery business. Song there we go. Singing. <laughs> misery business. Like the vocals sound off with the music because it's like that, like they're too out in the mix. But yeah. um and I like the fact the chorus was half time compared to the verse, and like there's like specific bars which are half time as well, which mm. I found really cool. I did think the breakdown was a bit long. Because it, it, I think it lasted for two and a half minutes, something like that. Might have been less. Mm. It's probably less. I felt it could have been a bit shorter, but no, just nitpicking. Um, the instrumental, instrumental. I quite like the instrumental. Um, this was the one where I could really tell the double stroke rolls. And I think. I think it might have been because they're in triplets. Don't hold that to me. They might not have been in triplets. But, yeah. Um, I, I just liked the flow of the instrumental. Yeah. I felt, I did feel quite intrigued by the instrumental all the way through. Compared to, like, yeah. some of the other tracks. If you know what I mean. Yeah, um, I know what you mean. Yeah, that's pretty much so, everything I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. 
what I'd say is, as someone who's heard every Trivium album, I would, I would probably put this as my second favorite one. Okay. You know, it, considering it's their ninth album and it's my second favorite one. Yeah. Pretty damn good. But then yeah. again, some of them just aren't very good. Yeah, I'd probably say it's my second favorite Trivium album. Yeah, that, that's very good. Is, if you want to get into Trivium more, the album before this is the best one for me. Yeah. The Sin and the Sentence, the one with Alex Bent, it's the first album with Alex Bent on. For me, right. it's the best one, but then again... Right, hear that, kids. Life. If you want to get into metal, listen to... Is it the two latest Trivium wow. albums? Well, yeah. I don't know about... Yeah. Metal as a whole, yeah. I suppose, yeah. The two latest Trivium albums would do well. Yeah. Listen to them and then listen to the other ones because then you can see how bad the other ones are compared to this one. Although we have mentioned many times to not judge albums by their full thing, but with Trivium it's alright. Because you sort of have to to see if they're good or yeah, not. Yeah, considering their weird, rocky career trajectory. Right, is that yeah. all you have to say? Yes. Wow, we managed right. to speak on, on this album for 36 minutes. What the dead men say by Trivia yes. came out end of April. And that is the last of our new-ish yeah. reviews. Um, so now, on to our ending section of the show, which we're going to do every... I didn't really explain it very well last week. Yeah. Essentially, we're going to take it in turns every week, picking an album that we like. It doesn't have... Actually, no, not that we like. It can be any album. So we can both like it. You can pick an album that you know the other person doesn't like. You can pick an album that you just think is interesting to talk about. Yeah. Just pick whatever, and then we'll talk about it. You know, if the other person doesn't like it, oh, well, talk about why. And, it, it, you know, as the name suggests, it's for the sake of discussion. Yes. I went first, and last week I chose the album United by Fate by the band Rival Schools. Yes. This album came out in 2002, the year me and Jared were born. This album is as old as us. Yes. Which is mental. Very mental. Now... If I can remember rightly, I remember telling you about this album. Yes. And I remember about three days after I told you to listen to it, you came back to me with your initial reaction. Yes. 
Would you like to reiterate what your initial reaction was and if it has changed since your first listening? Um, yes, I can do that. I really liked this album. My initial reaction was Glad. basically that it was like a masterpiece. Um, having listened to it again, it's not quite the masterpiece I remember it, but it's still very good. Yeah. There, there were there were just so many elements that I uh, that I can hear in it that. It's like it's a very hard album to describe. Yeah, it is because you go from like a song like take the opening, travel by telephone. Yeah. How it just opens with the snare hits straight into the big guitars and all that, but then yeah. second track everything has its point. Yeah, the drums come in and they're lo-fi. They've got yeah. like that weird hip hop sound to them before they come in. It they have sort of pop influence, but it's not like a it's not like a pop influence in the terms of catchy, stupid melodies and you know synthesizers and stuff. It's more they've taken the elements that take that make pop popular and fused them in with a weird kind of hardcore sort of punky sound. Yeah. And even that's not doing it justice. Like, the thing is, this album is weird because it does sound generic. Yeah. But it also doesn't. Yeah. It, honestly, I, d I don't think I can describe it well enough. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, oh. Uh, so... Oh, I, I I honestly don't know where to start with this album. Okay, I, I I made some notes. So when I was oh, okay. researching this album, because I research it sometimes, well, not just this album, but I research some albums sometimes. So I was looking at the producer and some of the previous producing credits. So we don't particularly like the previous music that he's done. Uh, particularly, I think he did this after rival schools but he was the producer for bon jovi yeah uh am, am i correct in am i correct in saying uh he also did plain white tees yes plain right plain white tees which um, makes me think why would he do rival schools yeah. either that or why would rival schools pick him yeah, that definitely makes you think that. Uh, one thing that also surprised me is he's now a real estate person in California, so it didn't really work out very well for him. I'm not surprised. So producing "It's My Life." Yeah. So. And the 11 million selling out al million pound out al selling album "Crush." Yeah. Do I think something also interesting is, I I think you could sort of tie that into the argument that. They were trying to make it as poppy as post-hardcore yeah. can go. Yeah. Because think about it, it's not a hardcore album. No. It's not exactly heavy at any point. No. 
It's not mental at any point. It, they do try and gloss it up with as much pop stuff yeah. about it. And obviously the producer working with pop acts helps. But I don't know if you saw this album was released on Island Records. Yeah. Which is right. a like a child company of Universal. Yeah. I don't know if you know who else has signed to Island Records. No. Um. So artists that have signed to Island Records, so they're either on it now or they were on it at some point. Yeah. Include Ariana Grande. Right. Justin Bieber. Bob Marley. Drake. Cat Stevens. The Cranberries. Pulp. Fallout Boy, The Killers, U2, Mumford and Sons, Amy Winehouse, The Weeknd, you know, Janet Jackson, The Streets, Annie Lennox. So they have a good okay. mix of people. Yeah, but mostly pop. Yeah. Massively pop. Yeah, massively pop. And I get at the end of the day, record companies just try to sign people that are making money so they can sign more people that are making money. I get yeah. that, um, but it does sort of show the difference between the whole indie record labels and and by indie I mean independent, not the genre indie because that'd be stupid because mm. you can't make any money off indie. But as discussed in, earlier, independent record labels and uh, big corporate record labels for mm. like corporate, it's all about the money, whereas independent, it's about Signing music that you want to sign because you think it's good and deserves a shot at yeah. getting bigger. Mm. It is. Mm, I don't quite see. This is one of the reasons I picked this album. Yeah, is the fact that on the surface it's just a nice post-hardcore album that just trundles along and gets in and out really quick with some good songs. Yeah. But then the more you look into it, the more you sort of see that the band were almost they were almost going out of their way to make a pop record. Yeah. I describe really it's just really interesting as to why you do that. Yeah. I I described it as Weezer but slightly more heavy. Uh mm. like it has like harmonies as the acoustic guitar, which I know for most bands it doesn't really work, but I thought it worked quite well for these. Like, there's a song, I think it's called um, Undercovers On. Yep. I think the acoustic guitar on that is it, not just like a cliche, it sort of adds to the song, which is very rare. Mm. The, I find that in a song with acoustic on. That's not just like, you know, like when the acoustic guitar is added for rhythm in a mm. pop song. And I sort of feel that they were trying to do that, but they ended up making it more than just a rhythm track. I feel like they, the rhythm was drained out of it and it was just sort of, you know, nice melodical guitar. Yeah, it... I still really don't know how to talk about this album properly. Because yeah. it's really one of them albums that you really need to hear for yourself in order to... Yeah. I didn't write a lot of notes on it at all. Um, 
I know this week I've been paraphrasing quite a lot of other people's reviews and seeing if we agree with them. Yeah. But the BBC reviewed Ooh. this album. Good old BBC. The BBC themselves reviewed this album when it came out. Yeah. And also, I was mistaken. This album came out in 2001, but it got reviewed Ooh. in 2002. This album is older mm. than us. Slightly. Yeah, slightly. It came out in August, so it's just under a year old. Just under a year. Still counts. So I, I, I just, I just not certainly think of what this guy's put. Yeah. In regards to this is the final paragraph. This is the final couple of sentences of this review. So he sums up the record as a whole. Yeah. Think of the Foo Fighters minus the glossy production, and you come some way to understanding what rival schools are about. Emotionally intense, turbocharged pop songs. The dawn of new, new metal. Maybe. Mm, yeah. I'm just reminding you that this is 2001. This is when Foo Fighters were still good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it definitely does intense. remind me of the first album. Yeah. The first Foo Fighters album. Emotionally it... intense, turbocharged pop songs. Yeah. That's most of the way there to describing what this is. Yeah. But I think what caught my eye more than anything was the dawn of new new metal. So as in N-E-W, then new metal. Yeah. Which I'm sort of confused about because this came out in 2001 and I I didn't think new metal was dead by 2001. I thought new metal was like in its prime around that time. Yeah. Actually, no. This was when Sum 41 and that lot were getting big, weren't they? Blink-182 was like the biggest band on the block at this point. Yeah. Actually, yeah, think about it, because Green Day will have just released Warning. Yeah. Sum 41 will be climbing up the ranks. Blink-182 will be massive at this point. Yeah. I think... I'm just just confused by the dawn of new, new metal. Yeah, it it confused me as well when when you said it. I... I don't think this has anything to do with that at all. I would, like, and I, I, would, get that, I, would, I get that's the point of new, new metal, like reinventing the sound, but metal is a metal, new metal is a that. reiteration of metal, well, allegedly, and by allegedly... It, it, it's sort of yeah. just metal, but with industrial yeah. influence more than anything. So is new, understand. new metal industrial, industrial metal uh, or is it pop oh, I, actually I, f- I forgot to say there was a um, better thing that sums it up yeah um, United by Fate walks a very dangerous line in underground music the fine line between making a really well produced awesome sounding post hardcore post emo record and making a cheesy, very major label radio rock record. Yeah. The songs range from inspiration that are akin to early Weezer, and some songs such as I Acetate could have been a Nirvana song. I disagree with that, but... Uh, I don't which, disagree with the... Which one I don't did disagree- you say could be a Nirvana song? Uh, this re- particular review says that high acetate could be. Because I also picked up on that a bit. Because 
like the intro sounds a bit like a Nirvana song where it's like the guitar, like a quite compressed guitar sound. Then it just opens up into a bigger thing. And I don't think it sounds like Nirvana at all until you get to like the chorus where it mm. sounds a bit Nirvana-y. But apart from the intro and the chorus where the melody sounds a bit Nirvana-y, it's not really. Mm. Yeah. It... Mm. I don't really hear the early Weezer influence. Right. I don't think this is as crunchy or as melody-driven no. as early Weezer was. If I was to describe it as a Weezer album, I'd probably go red. Oh, God. That's a very interesting statement. What? The red um, Weezer album? No, the the <laughs> final line of this. The final line of this review. Yeah. Oh, this may have actually perfectly summed up this album. United by Fate suffers, not because the songs are bad, but that it tries to be too good. Yeah. The album is interesting from top to bottom, but the production makes it sound like all the other post-hardcore bands coming from the scene. Yeah? Yeah. That sums it up very nicely. Yeah. Apart from some elements. Yeah. Because I don't think it does sound like all the other post-hardcore bands. No. They sound like a few, but that's because of... There's a few bands that are like that, that aimed for that more pop production sound. Um, yeah. I am not opposed to the whole it tries to be too good, though. Because that actually seems yeah. quite apt. I guess you'd say. I think... I'd... Mm. I know it's going to sound a bit weird, but for me, I feel like I compare this album a lot to Ideas Above Our Station. Yeah. The debut 100 Reasons record. Yeah. I can't really describe why, because they don't sound that alike it's just no. to me they are almost aesthetically in the same area yeah of the fact that they tried to make a catchy rock record inspired by hardcore but with a more pop-centered production yeah definitely but it still makes me scratch my head as to why you'd want to make a album that like with United by Fate, it could be so big, it could be heavy, it could be massive guitars, big percussion, thumping bass. But why you'd want to not do that and make a more accessible, I don't want to say accessible, a more pop, I don't think pop is even the right word either, a more like radio rock production sound. Yeah. I don't see why you'd want to do that unless the intent was to open the album up to as many people as possible to improve sales. Yeah. But then again, if it's something like Island Records, the guy who produces pop albums, maybe it was a decision by the record label that yeah. they wanted it to be marketable. Yeah. I don't know. It, it is a tricky album to talk about because it's 
really good, but I can't describe why. I can't really describe what's wrong with it. Yeah. Really, it was a it's... bad album to choose to review. Well, the, the, th- the point of this last section isn't really a review. It's just albums yeah. that you can just talk about. Yeah. And I feel like, in terms of albums you can talk about, I feel like this one's really interesting. Yeah, this this again, is definitely one of the more interesting albums that I've listened it, to it, recently. It's really good, but it has its problems. But I can't pinpoint why it's good. I can't pinpoint its problems. Yeah. I just can't get my I I just can't get my head around the yeah. you know the glossy production of it. Yeah. I just don't understand why. Also, enemy completely wrong. Enemy called it a punk record. Right. I don't think I'd call it a punk record. To yeah. be honest. Can I go into some specifics about certain things? Yeah, that's things? fine. I feel like I've ranted on a bit, so I'll let you talk. Well, no, because it's all it's all true at the end of the day, isn't it? To us, it's all true. Um, but okay, I'm going on to like instrument specifics. Like, so listen, when I first turned on this album, yeah, I could tell mm-hmm. that it was a Telecaster. Uh, I looked it up, <laughs> and it was a Telecaster. <laughs> I could just tell, like. The production with that guitar tone, it just sounds so much like a Telecaster on the bridge pickup. Like, the the way it's so bright. It's just, in all the songs, you can tell that he's using a Telecaster of sorts. It, I mean, it used for glue. It's particularly, it's particularly there. It's like this really... Um, so it's in the treble end of things... It's in between the treble and the mid EQ section. Um, But you can really tell because of the scratchiness with the distortion of the Telecaster. Uh, I just just like the way that they went about the instruments on this album. Because with some albums, I feel like they take everything the instruments got and then they change it completely. Like with EQ, they'll like change drum sounds. Like I'm guilty of it. I've turned mids up on drums and taken the treble right down to make it sound more beefy. Mm. And for instance, on the Sugar Horse album, when I said like the mid and the low are really high in the mix and the treble's really down and it's quite muddy. When I said that, like they've manipulated it to do that because you know some things. Some things are naturally higher, and they've just taken it down. Nothing wrong with doing that, but I like how they've tried to take, like the instruments they've tried to use, and they've tried to take the sounds from the instruments instead of making the instruments sound how they want it to. Like in post, they've done it all beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just to bring it back to this strange production choice, strange, yeah. even writing choice of making a poppier orientated thing. The singer of this band, and I think he's, I think he's rhythm guitar. Yeah. His name's Walter. I think it's pronounced Schreifels. Right. And. 
he has been in a couple of other bands that I like. Okay. His first band was a band called Gorilla Biscuits, which were a proper, like, an actual hardcore band, like an actual New York hardcore band. Right. But then he joined... I don't know if he joined or whether he created... He um, was in a band called Quicksand. Right. And Quicksand have an album called Slip. Their first album is called Slip. And... Spoiler alert. It's a fantastic album. I love it lots. Lots and lots and lots. And um, essentially, I think this looking at his back catalogue has almost opened up to why he made the production choices on United by Fate. Yeah. His first band, obviously, Gorilla Biscuits, was a proper New York hardcore band. They were hardcore. Yeah. And then Quicksand was a metal-orientated post-hardcore band. Yeah. So Where Rival Schools is a pop, is a more radio rock-centred post-hardcore band. Quicksand was a metal-orientated post-hardcore band. So I feel like that almost explains why Rival Schools don't have that big, heavy sound. Yeah. You know, because it almost sounds like... I don't really know how to describe it. It almost sounds like he got a bit sick of being... The one known for. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, you got a bit sick of making like the same things over and over. So, another example of this is um, Lower Than Atlantis singer Mike. Mm-hmm. He was in a lower. It was in Lower Than Atlantis, which was like. I don't know, like post punk alternative rock sort of band. But the yeah. but the music he makes now is completely different. It's like electronic, mm. um, electronic music. That's a bit vague, isn't it? But like electronic pop, electro pop. Mm. Forgot that existed. But it's like electro pop type music and. Mm. Like it's completely different to what he was doing in Le- in Lower Than Atlantis. And listening um, to their albums, it, it is sort of like copies of the album, but not copies of the album, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, something strange. Yeah. Um. The singer Walter. Yeah. He. He he released a his first solo record. Right. In like twenty seventeen. Okay. And he released it on Big Scary Monsters. Ah. Which is a bold choice. Yes, very bold choice. I just want to say that him and the drummer are the most prominent members of the band. Yeah. And they've all, they've both been in many different bands. And the drummer called Sammy, 
Yeah. From 2007 to 2009, he played drums in the band Head Automatica. Right. Which is the sort of pop rock side project of Glassjaw vocalist oh. Daryl Palumbo. Right. I don't have uh, people listening to this. If you don't want to hear a story, you can skip this for a minute. Jared, if you remember on the way to see Casey Elephant in February, March time. Yeah. On the way there, a song came on in the car. Yeah. And I said, prepare yourself because it's the Glassjaw singer, but singing like a weird pop rock song. Yeah. And then I just remember you sitting in the corner of my car going, oh, what is this? Because <laughs> obviously, yeah. if, you're, if you're used to worshipping tribute and stuff, then hearing him in a pop rock band. So, yeah, I think that different. also just goes to prove that a bunch of these members have just been in so many different things that are all sort of connected. Yeah. It's almost I like a big to say underground that... connectivity with other people. Yeah. I'm so glad this right. is not a video podcast because it should be my hands moving in all different directions. Enemy. Right, Enemy. The amazing source is Enemy that we've relied on for a couple of things this week. Yeah. Enemy listed United by Fate as one of the 20 emo albums that have stood the test of time. Right. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't put it on an emo list. No, definitely not. I wouldn't personally put United by Fate or any rival schools thing. Yeah. So, I mean... Just to go back to what we were originally saying about this album, it's great. I love it. Yeah. A lot. It's up there with yeah. some of my favourite records ever. I don't yeah. know if it it's is definitely up there. Like right up there, but it, it's alongside some of the best. It's definitely but... top thirty. <laughs> just just underneath notes on a conditional form. <laughs> 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 but again, I I picked this album for a reason because I just thought it would be really interesting to talk about. Yeah, you know how it is a post-hardcore album that was made to be a pop album. Yeah, which I just find really interesting. Yeah. So yeah, that was the first week of our personal picks. Yes. Series. Now. This week it is Jared's turn to pick an album. Yep. So next on next week's episode we will be talking about an album that Jared has picked. Now Jared, would you like to talk us through your so, thought process? Right. So okay, so um me and Kevin, we like lots of music. There is some music I like more than Kevin. Like so a while back with another friend, I was doing this thing it was from rolling stones magazine so you can imagine how reliable it is but it was like 500 must listen to albums so i started doing that got like 10 weeks in sort of stop well i think i got to a bob dylan album and i yeah trailed off (laughs) but um one of the albums on there which i 
basically is is definitely in the top 30 albums with United by Fate. I can't tell you whether it's above or below United by Fate. Is um, Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. And I know for a fact Kevin doesn't really like Beach Boys very much. Well, it's not that I don't like them. It's just I've never really listened to them. Yeah. Because like, the couple of songs I've heard just didn't really appeal. Most of their hits are absolute trash compared to Pet Sounds. I'm not going to speak too much about it, but it's different to, um, well, I Get Around, uh, Beach Boy Classic, and uh, another Beach Boy Classic, Surfing USA. Right, uh, so, yeah, Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. Is that next week's pick? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you forgot my favourite Beach Boys song. <laughs> Raining Blood by the Beach yes. Boys. Three way harmonies. <laughs> Just them doing the guitar riffs as well. Yeah. <laughs> Just three way harmonies of. <laughs> I'd, I'd listen to that. And then Brian Wilson does the solo. <laughs> Imagine um, Beach Boys covering Raining Blood featuring Barry Gibb. Yes. It'd be an epic lineup. And the uh, real question is yes. who put Barry Gibb on TV? That's the real question. That is the real question. <laughs> I haven't seen him since that day, so he <laughs> obviously heard what I had to, to say. It was on Sky right. Arts, I'm not really surprised. So, the other albums that we're reviewing, are we saying them now? Yeah, yeah, might as well. Um, so, so, um, so we got, is it two new albums? Yeah, so we got two new Three. new albums. Three. Oh, I thought Three. the Rentals one was slightly older. Okay. No, it, co- it comes out tomorrow. Oh, as we're right. recording So, <laughs> we've got three brand new albums. Hot off the press, as some people would say. Um, not I'm never going to say that again. Uh, we're so, not wankers. <laughs> so we've got Run the, Jew- Run the Jewels 4. Very different to most of the albums we've reviewed. Uh, well, in the early days of this podcast. Two episodes. Sports Team new album. Sports Team. Sports Team's new album. There we go. Debut. I can't talk. It's after 11. They, that means my shut off for can, talking. Can, can um, they live up to the hype? I, yes, we'll, I, well, we'll find out. They released a single today. Not going to say that much about it. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Uh, and Rentals' new album, which uh, Rentals is the old bassist from Weezer's band. Yeah, just thought we'd talk about it just because we could. Yeah. So, yeah, we're talking about them alongside Pet Sounds by yes. the Beach Boys. Should make for an interesting week going from Run the Jewels to Sports Team to the Beach Boys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it will definitely be interesting. It'll be a conversation, it'll be a discussion. 
Oh, hey, plug. <laughs> plug it. Plug, right. Wink, wink. Yeah. Wink, nudge, 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 wink. Right. So I think that's it from us this week. Yeah. So, as we said, we'll be back next week to talk about those brand new albums and also Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys in our personal picks list. So, thank you for listening, you know, to the few people that are actually listening. Yeah. Um, and if you have any suggestions for albums that we should cover, whether they are new or old, be sure to please email us at for discussion's sake podcast at gmail.com. No spaces. No spaces. Or you could just DM us on Instagram if that is easier for you at for discussion's sake underscore podcast. Yeah, that would be also nice because if you're on Instagram, that means you could also segue over to our personal band because we are also in a band, in case you didn't know, we're in a band called Outposts. So if you are on Instagram sending us a DM or whatever, sliding into our DMs or cool like, uh, you could go follow us at we underscore are underscore all underscore outposts. Have to shove the underscores in there. Yeah. Also, I think it should be very important that you should follow all the bands that we reviewed today if you see necessary. So, like, yeah. if you like them or not. I mean... Because we had an entire week of positivity. Yeah. I mean, if you listen to Sugar Horse and decide that you don't like it for some reason, then you don't have to follow them. It's just a suggestion. <laughs> um. Yeah. Great end. <laughs> right. We'll be back next week. Goodbye, everybody. Yes. Say, say bye, Jared. Oh, bye. Bye, bye. Oh, I'm trying to get this thing off my screen. I, oh, get... I can't get it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs>